Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. With me today is the pastor of Belcroft Bible Church. His name is Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm always blessed to be with you, my friend. Always encouraged to walk together with you in the truth and to grow together. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm I'm glad that we are here together as well. I just want to make sure I'm not too loud because I feel like I'm too loud. You know, there's a there's a limit to being loud and being too loud. I don't think I've ever been too loud on the podcast. Yeah, you have not ever <laughs> been too loud on the podcast because usually everybody's always like I'm too soft. Yeah, you, you you're too far away from the microphone. Yeah, but I'm yeah, not, but you're learning me. Yeah, it, it, you'll get there one day. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if I will. I, you no, you you'll have I mean, to. You, you don't have a choice. You, you have some big foot foot footprints, man. I'm trying to follow behind you. I can't do it. Well, follow me as I follow Christ, because okay. those are His footprints I'm stepping in. Okay, that that makes sense. Good, yeah. good, good. There you go. Good comeback. Was that a Pastor Mattism that I just did? I, I don't know, but that it was, was that was good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's His footprints. It's not mine. You, the little small footprints in there, those are mine. You can step on the side of those and still be in Christ's footprints and, and follow Him. I like that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, we are we are actually going to uh, talk about. Uh, sin again because uh Can't can help. you talk about sin too much no not 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 unless you're talking about it inaccurately true that's very true yeah and the reason behind i mean go ahead the bible talks about it literally on almost every page yeah except for genesis 1 and 2 and revelation 19 basically 20 and 21 mm-hmm. you know 21 22 the last the last two chapters of the book and uh, essentially the last, the first two chapters, more or less, everything else in between, it's on every page mm. in some form or fashion. Yeah. And so, yeah, and sad because you wouldn't know that today in our world in the nature of preaching. You would think that it's a topic or a theme or a truth that's kind of sprinkled in, you know, like a mustard seed, really, right. re- really small, but in reality it's... It is one of the major reasons why the scriptures are given to us so that we know what to do with it. So yeah, yeah. it's a big deal. Well, yeah. And that's, that's my, my, one of my things. One, um, one of the books I, I read through several books at the same time, very slowly. And <laughs> one of the books that I'm reading through is, uh, the mortification of sin. Um, John and, yeah. And, um, just him putting, the whole idea and the thought of sin in front of me is actually what I need all the time. Yep. Because one thing that uh, we do selfishly is we don't want to hear about those things. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a very easy way for us to just kind of forget about it and not fight it. And what yeah. he says is be killing sin or sin will be killing, killing you. you. Yeah. So, no. yeah. And the other thing is, too, talking about that. You can talk about it too much in an incorrect way if you're not talking about it in such a way where Christ is elevated, exalted, and the gospel is pointed out, right? Mm -hmm. If it was just about man is evil and wicked and hopeless, which he is, but there was never uh, talking about that so that we could see how awesome Christ is, then that would would be pointless, Mm -hmm. right? That would be be almost theological abuse 
True. Right. But we, that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. We 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 look at sin because it is our greatest problem, but because sin points us to our greatest need mm-hmm. and our greatest gift, our greatest provision, which is Christ. So yeah, yeah. So uh, before we get into the deep discussion of it, um, there was a question uh, yeah. that came uh, yep. from uh, one of the great men of our church. Yep. His name is Tim Myers. Yep. And uh, he sent the email, uh, the question to you. Yep. So you have the great privilege of reading the question. You want me to read it? Read it or recite it. I can't. I don't know if I can remember it from. It's been a couple days since. Let me pull it up here. So hold on a second. Yeah, and um, with that being the case, just look out for. Um, <laughs> I try to read the entire sermon, um, and I won't even tell you what the sermon is uh, for you all. Recite it for you all. Not recite it, but read it for you all on the podcast. But <laughs> I found one some technical difficulty because of the fact that it's old English and I'm new English. So there are some things that I need to go back and redo for you. But I am just going actually going to be uh, releasing that in the next couple of days, so uh, you all can look for that. Okay? Do you have it, Matt? That was my commercial break while you uh, find the actual email. And it's still not there. It has something to do with uh, lamentations. And, um, oh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. I don't see it. I don't see it written out, but I, I, I got an email here from him and I see his point. But I don't know if it was written out in a verbatim question. But his point basically was if I remember correctly, and Tim, as you listen, you can point me out if. If I didn't address the right question, but was when you're um, when you're addressing God for um, problems in your life, whether it be sin, confessing sin, or even dealing with difficulties, right? Suffering, pain, disappointment, discouragement, uh, difficulty on multiple levels, like we see throughout Scripture, primarily in the Psalms, where you're going through a hardship. And, and he used this word rightfully, and you're lamenting, which is a biblical word. We have a whole book of the Bible that's literally called Lamentations, right? Mm-hmm. Where the prophet uh, Jeremiah, who is the weeping prophet, was lamenting. I'll talk about that in a minute. And his point is, is there ever a time where lamenting your situation, which is difficult and painful and real, and we're told, First Peter 5, using the New Testament, but even throughout the Old Testament, to what? Cast our cares upon the Lord. Bring our problems to the Lord because he cares for us, meaning our pain, our sorrow, our suffering, our difficulty, all those things. Because Hebrews 13, quoting from the Old Testament multiple times, he will never leave us nor forsake us. So Mm -hmm. go there. So absolutely. So his point is, when does it or does it ever become sin where's the line between lamenting to god about my problems and now um crossing the line into sin what does that look like when does that happen can i do that too much you know what's the deal there and i know i know what he's i know what he's referencing in that and there is a line without question there is a line of uh, what i would say lamenting to god and complaining to god right and uh, and complaining is sin without question, right? And a sin that God despises as we see what he did with Israel multiple times for their grumbling hearts were commanded not to grumble and complain. And so there is a line there. I don't know if it's as clear and as objective because it is a, it's a heart issue, right? Lamenting is a biblical thing that we see 
really throughout the Psalms over and over again. How long, O oh Lord, how long, O oh Lord, are we going to be in this, uh, in this exiled state? How long, O oh Lord, are we going to be under the attack of our enemies? You know, that phrase, how long, O oh Lord, comes up multiple times in the Psalms, which speaks of a lament. We have, there are Psalms of lament, you know, whole sections of the Psalms are written as Psalms of lament, where they're crying out to God because of the wicked uh, enemies that are assaulting them, and they're essentially crying out to the Lord for deliverance and so on and so forth. We have a whole book of the Bible that's called Laments, the Laments of Jeremiah, the Lamentations. Of course, throughout Jeremiah, Jeremiah laments multiple times. Um, You go all the way through to Revelation, and we see the lamenting happening in the throne room of of heaven in the in the portals of heaven with the tribulational saints um who are the spirits at the altar crying out to the lord how long before we're avenged right and there they are right they've been martyred and they're they're waiting for god to avenge them ultimately christ and and there they are in what is it revelation 5 and they're crying out saying how long how long before our blood's avenged and and they're lamenting that's what it is so lamenting is never sin in and of itself, God essentially calls us to bring our cares to him. I mean, Jesus himself in Matthew 5, right, when Matthew 6, when he's teaching us how to pray, right, I mean, even he uh, speaks of speaks of that reality, and, but there it's helpful because he says what? Don't let your prayers be driven by repetition, right? right. A mindless speaking of this over and over again because your father what already knows what you need before Mm -hmm. you need it Mm -hmm. right and uh, so that's helpful as you start to wrestle with some of this it's it goes back to um, not necessarily the action of lamenting because that is a biblical warranted reality right again that's what first peter 5 is commanding when he's when peter says to the church that's being uh, persecuted and under great suffering what is it, verse 10, I think, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Mm -hmm. And to cast your cares on the Lord, in part, demands lamenting, right? It means carrying them to the Lord and casting them. That's how you do that, and in bringing your sorrow and your pain to him and in in prayer and confession and all that. The issue, though, comes up in not so much the act, because the act, when when the line is crossed from lamenting to complaining, and that to me is the line, um, that becomes obvious when it's in action. Like you can tell when it's when it's a, a, a prayer of lament versus a prayer of complaint. You can tell in the words you're using and in the re- repetition of it and in the emotion of it and all of that. You can tell that. However, the issue is the sin had already been, it already happened in the heart. It's a heart issue. So to be broken, I mean, for lack of a better word, I don't. It's not technically a lament per se, but it is a. It, it is the spirit of lament is Christ in the garden, right? When he says, "My heart is in torment," when he's dealing sweat drops of blood, and he's crying out to the Father, and he does it even repeatedly, right? Where he keeps going back in prayer to cast his cares upon the Lord, where he said, "I'm under great distress. Is there any way, Father, to get through this beyond what?" where we're headed, right? But not my will, but yours be done. And I think that's the key right there given to us by Christ. When when we're lamenting, there has it has to be done with a with a heart that trusts the Lord. It can't be done with a heart that's manipulating the Lord. And that's where we sin 
even through our prayers and our laments. If we're lamenting to the Lord to try to get his attention, that's what Jesus condemned in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, when you fast, don't put on sackcloth and ashes, don't dirty yourself up, don't don't draw attention to yourself mm-hmm. like the religious elite would do. He's like, go in your closet, put on put oil on your head, meaning clean up. And and his point and his his point was, God already knows what you need, right? God already he doesn't say don't do it, but it's like don't try to manipulate God somehow thinking that what you're doing is somehow going to get his attention and change his perspective, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You can't manipulate God. That's that's sinful, right? And uh, so pour your heart out to him for sure, but uh, do it in a way that is trusting him for who he is as a good God. Do it in a way that trusts him for who he is as a sovereign God. And this is interesting. This is where um, I believe you can see this even in Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations where he, Jeremiah was was uh, crossed that line of lament that is biblical and then sinful. Uh, I think Jeremiah, and I think you can see this at different times, but in Jeremiah uh, Lamentations 3, is an is an amazing is an amazing lament. It's the it's the focal point of the whole book, and it's about verse twenty one is the middle really the middle of the of 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 everything grammatically I think if I remember correctly and and it changes the whole song. The lament is a song. Mm-hmm. It's like a dirge. It's like a funeral song. That's what mm-hmm. a lament is, right? right. And because you're bringing out your your pain and your suffering, and um. Jeremiah, rightfully so, because he's watching Jerusalem fall and they're under cannibalism. They're eating each other. I mean, it's just the most vile, wicked thing mm-hmm. that he had ever witnessed. And he'd preached for 40 years and they didn't listen and now they're getting it. So he was under great distress. He loved the people, loved the city, loved his Lord, and everything's falling apart. And he's just in utter distress. <clears throat> well, it's interesting because in chapter 3, it's the darkest moment of the lament mm-hmm. in the beginning. And he's brought to a point where he's literally about to die. He's literally falling, like he's coming unglued emotionally. He's he's coming to the end of himself. He mm-hmm. literally says that. Mm-hmm. I was about I was about to lose it. I was about to lose all control. Just just like emotional break. I'm done. In his lament, which mm-hmm. he had spent two and a half, three chapters, three, three and a half chapters up to that point talking about the wickedness and the vileness and all, everything and crying out to God, you mm-hmm. know, and then what happened? But, and, but God, mm-hmm. he took his eyes off of, are you ready? Mm-hmm. This is the key off of himself mm-hmm. and turned him back to God. Yeah. And so, so it, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult, this is where I think there, there's a subjectivity to it. That's why objectively when you're speaking, I think you can see it clearly. But the, the sin is always in the heart issue, right, before it comes out of the mouth, Matthew, yeah. Mark 7. So it's it's in the heart when you're lamenting, which is, again, a biblical thing and a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yet <clears throat> in your heart, are you is your focus solely on you and what has happened to you? Or is it, or is it really focused on God and what He's doing in you and through you and for you? That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you have to stay. When you get away from that and your focus is solely on you and your life and your situations, then you you have your lament has become uh, discontentment. It's just a religious 
cry of discontentment. That's all it is. Because yeah. you're basically saying, God, I don't like what you're doing to me. I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't think this is right, which is what Job did. So Job laments, right? But he reaches a point where his lament becomes a religious cry of discontentment, mm. right? And that's why his sin and God confronts him on it, where he keeps saying, I know I don't deserve this, and if I can just have a courtroom appearance with God, I can defend my case because I'm, uh, I'm, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm a holy man. I, I haven't mm-hmm. done anything wrong. And if God will just listen to me, he'll he'll side with me. That's what mm-hmm. Job says. Mm-hmm. And that's when God's like, Job, you don't get it. You're, your, you got to put your phone on vibrate, man, yeah, when we I, do the podcast. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's it's that's okay. You got it's, it's you, got, you Sunday, got people Sunday afternoon, man. This yeah, is what you, got, you got people trying to contact you. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But as anyway, soon, as anyway. you were talking, I yeah. thought of David and yeah. one of the uh, the the one uh, psalm is Psalm thirteen. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And how long was the thing that he said? But then at the end. Um, yeah, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt with me bountifully. And, and that's, that's, that's the, again, I'm, I'm not going to say always, cause there are some laments that don't end on that high note. <clears throat> that's how it should end. Yes. But that's how it most, most, mostly ends. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the model. That's the sign, right? That the lament is biblical, that the lament is, is God centered. Right there's an honest pouring out of the heart, but then ultimately it's a trusting of the Lord, mm-hmm. and that's the issue. Now that that again is there's a subjectivity, a subjectivity, a subjectivity to that because it may not come out verbally mm-hmm. in your lament because you're just so broken. We're mm-hmm. we're emotional beings that are that are frail, right? We are. We're just we're just fickle, frail people, and we deal with pain and and it hurts and it's hard, whether it's emotional, physical, whatever, and. And, uh, and oftentimes we, we are, and we are right to lament to God and, and, and ask him what's going on and to cry out to him. And sometimes what does Romans say? We don't even know what to pray. You yeah. lose a child, lose a loved one. Like, I don't even know how I, all I know is, to, is how to, for lack of a better word, to scream to the, to my father and just mm-hmm. say, help Lord, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not complaining. I'm not, I'm, I'm just in distress. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to do, mm-hmm. right? And so I may not even verbalize that from uh, f- through words because I don't even know how to say it. Lord, I trust you in this, but my heart is still there. That's mm-hmm. why I'm running to him, mm-hmm. right? That's why I'm legitimately seeking him out of desperation, not right. to manipulate. So again, that's that reality where it's a heart issue, but it's it's clearly a line there, and uh, you've got to watch out. And again, I, you look through Scripture and you see, you know, Job cross that that's obviously you know the whole point that's why job god spends three chapters going joe where were you where were you where mm-hmm. you think you, you think i don't know what i'm doing Job? <laughs> you think you can't trust me joe where you know and that's the point and david i i i think psalm 51 it's not a, it's not a lament so to speak um yet it is as david's crying out to the god for his sin mm-hmm. and i think what's key there is what does he say against you and you alone Mm-hmm. Have I have I sinned? Mm-hmm. Uh, Psalm sixteen is a good one where he's dealing with his enemies, and uh, the end of that is is all about the fact that even if he dies, he's going to be resurrected. It's Psalm where David speaks of the fact of his resurrection and and how he, how even if I die in the presence of my enemies and I'm not rescued and the people aren't rescued, I know I know I'll stand in your presence forevermore, and mm. you know, and so you know that's the right perspective, and that's the that's the key.
Wow. That's good. This is, uh, I would say, the part two of the podcast or the part one, really. Uh, that whole lament uh, uh, discussion was basically the part two. Um, but last week we talked about sin and what is the, the who, what, when, where, why of sin. Um, this is this is a continuation of that because of the fact that sin takes so many different, uh, I would say, uh, faces or costumes or uh, appearances. And that is something that was brought up in your last sermon. Uh, the biggest one that you talked about was actually covetousness. Yeah. And uh, covetousness and heart idolatry. And yep. those two, you know, really need to be, I, I would say, fleshed out a little bit more. Sure. I mean, the sermon, definitely go and listen to the sermon uh, from May 5th. Sorry, May 3rd. Uh, you might be listening to this on the 6th, but uh, May 3rd is actually when that sermon came out. And this is a sermon that uh, deals with actually the death of John the Baptist. That's the name of the sermon. Uh, but it really goes to and talks about Herodias, Herodias, yeah. Herodias yep. and John uh, as the two main characters and some, um, some lessons to learn from the both of them. So uh, as far as the path that you took with this, uh, it was basically... You started talking about idolatry. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can go and grab your notes. And if you got a water in that uh, refrigerator, if you grab it as well, please. This tea is too, way too sweet for me. Um, <clears throat> so you have idolatry and then covetousness, uh, which leads to anger, which leads to bitterness, and then which leads to murder. Thank you. So, you know, we're real people on the podcast. We're thirsty and, you know, <laughs> hey, you know. Don't, don't talk bad about me like he was talking about can he grab yeah so what i did it so yeah so that was the uh kind of like the um the, the path that you took the idolatry the covetousness the anger bitterness and murder at least that's what i took in my notes yeah i, I might i might have been adding a little bit more nope. i also have discontentment coming yep. from the anger too yeah. so you know i, I just kind of like the path yeah so um basically uh it was a it was a preaching an application point out of this passage that is a powerful one that I didn't want to miss. Um, and that was the life of what, what I believe the most wicked woman in, in the new Testament for sure. And very likely in the Bible alongside Jezebel, she's right there with her They're kissing cousins in every way, mm -hmm. more ways than one. And, um, but her life is really a life lived by enslaved to heart idolatry. That's really what it is. And, Heart idolatry is such a big issue in the Bible, and even bigger in our in our lives. What it, what uh, what is it? And yeah. that's, and that's the the thing that I want to yeah. kind of just like kind of yep. put on the yep. table in a, in a and, more discussion, you and, know, more of a discussion. Way. Absolutely. And so the all those points that you brought out, anger, discontentment, mm -hmm. bitterness, all that, all of that is just the way heart idolatry comes out. Okay. That's all that is. So the issue is always hard idolatry, mm -hmm. how it gets manifested in our lives, what it looks like, how we spiral down into hard idolatry, I mean deeper as mm -hmm. a self, as a, as a worshiper of self, um, then it looks in different ways. So that's what, that's why I called it the stair steps mm -hmm. and all of that. So we'll get into that, but your discussion, well, your, uh, your, your definition was hard idolatry is any godless desire that comes before god and yeah that was yeah. i was trying to listen and write there's, it at the same time yeah so. there's a i gave i gave a number of ways to define it 
getting clear and hopefully easier in different ways, but heart idolatry can be defined as any dominating desire of the heart that replaces the desire to love and serve God foremost. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and I'm not, you know, it's not me. This, this phrase has been around for eons, heart idolatry, and the Bible talks about it clearly. But oftentimes it talks about it just using the word idolatry or idol. Mm-hmm. But multiple times it uses it together and talks about the idols in the heart and the idols consuming the heart. And I like to put it together when I talk about it because oftentimes when we think of idolatry, we think of pagan lands, pagan people, nose bones through the nose, like worshiping mm-hmm. wooden statues and and we think of it more in the objective practice of bowing down before a graven image that some pagan person might do. And we don't really understand that idolatry at the end of the day is an issue of the heart. And heart idolatry covers just about every, every sin. Every sin is an outworking of heart idolatry. And so that's why that's really what we're talking about here. So that's why that definition is defined as any dominating desire of the heart. That's why it's heart idolatry. Mm -hmm. Any dominating desire of the heart that replaces a desire to love and serve God foremost, right? Mm -hmm. We we, we have desires for all kinds of things, and that's not wrong. The Bible even tells us to have desires for different things. But when any of those desires supersede God first, that whatever that is has become an idol of the heart. Mm-hmm. or heart idolatry. So heart idolatry is just a overarching issue or term that covers all of these passions, lusts, loves, desires of the heart that have replaced God as first and foremost. Mm-hmm. That's really that's really what it is. I put any godless desire that reigns over all others in a life is the idol of the heart. Right? Now I have a question because, you know, for some people when you first hear the word idolatry, or idol, you know, you think about, you know, the the people with the bone in the nose you yeah. were talking about. But the first thing that comes to my mind is worship. Yeah. And, you you know, it maybe I missed it, but that wasn't something that you talked a lot about. Like, literally right after you talked about heart idolatry, one thing that I picked up was false worship infects the worshiper. Yeah. No, so so, so <clears throat> what I said was, and, and this is one of the easiest or, or, or most concise definitions of heart idolatry is self-worship. Okay. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, heart idolatry, even if I'm bowing down before a graven image, is still the worship of self because I've replaced God's word with my word. I've replaced God's design with my design, mm-hmm. right? Meaning I've made this image. My I get to decide, you know, if I'm using a graven image like a, you know, a pagan land or something, a, an idol of made by hands, which in the Bible is spoken of very often somebody's got to make that and i've got to reach a point where i go yeah that's my god mm-hmm. you know or i get to decide so even in that even though i'm bowing down and worshiping this image which the bible's clear is nothing i'm the one who gets to decide and call it god so i get to design god devise god just define god mm-hmm. so it's really about me even that is about me but at the end of the day getting past that smoke screen it's ultimately worshiping me it's what I want. It's basically telling God, I don't like what you say. I don't like the rules you give. I don't like the uh, the boundaries you've set. I want my own. And this God is good because he doesn't talk back to me. I, he, I can make him say whatever he wants to say. That's why idols are such a big deal in the Bible, and man has always loved them. But the ultimate idol is self, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the issue, and that's what heart idolatry 
uh, really is. Another way to say it is anything or anyone that comes before or above God in priority and passion. That's, that's, that's an idol. And so man was created from the heart to worship, mm-hmm. and worship is the primary purpose for which man lives, moves, and has his being. And all sin is the uh, total uh, perversion of worship. That's really what it is, because sin at the end of the day is the worship of self. It's the rejection of God for the acceptance of myself. I remember talking about that. And the reality of, of heart idolatry is the worship of self, where I exalt myself above God. This is what this is what drove Satan to do what he did. He worshiped himself. He would not worship God, even though he was created as a minister of of God to be, that's all angels are, angelos, they're ministering spirits. He was to minister, worship God, obey God, serve God. And what did he want to do? He wanted to serve himself. Mm-hmm. He, wanted to, he wanted everybody to worship him. And he was all about self-worship. And he is the, he is the ultimate heart idolater, right? right and right. Uh, so um, one of the things, um, because all idols... Uh, this is one of the points I brought up was why is heart idolatry never, why does it never stay in the heart, right? Because the heart is hidden, meaning it's inner. The heart, mm-hmm. of, the heart of man is essentially the inner man. It's the control center of man. Why, why is heart idolatry never satisfied or never stays internal? Why is it not just a thought and attitude? Why does heart idolatry always come out? It always manifests itself eventually into actions. So... The idol worshiper, what, eventually always will carve an image, right? Or he'll worship himself and how he lives and what he mm-hmm. buys. It will never stay in the heart. Why? Because, going back to your point, every heart idol demands to be worshiped. So every reality that, that everything we set up as an idol, everything we set up as above God demands to be worshiped. So it's going to come out. It's going to change my life. It's going to change my direction. It's going to manifest itself in ob- objective actions. So it is with... Can, can you give so, an example of that? Because yeah. I'm, I'm trying to kind of understand, you know... So so if I worship self, mm-hmm. let's say, let's say um, a major part of heart idolatry today would be sexual perversion mm-hmm. right so I, all sexual perversion is is driven by heart idolatry i care about what i want it's all about me personal pleasure right mm-hmm. let's just be call it what it is so i want my own pleasure i want my own pleasure my way and that's it right not god's way because god created sex and sex is good the way god designed it mm-hmm. but man says no i don't like that i want it my way mm-hmm. i want it on my terms again mm-hmm idolatrous self-worship i'm worshiping self i'm bowing down to my own desires rather than god's well that's an that's a hard issue which is sin but it never stays there right so now i'm going to manifest that by going on a pornographic website and mm-hmm. doing whatever and then then eventually that's going to manifest itself in how i treat my girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever right and then that's going to manifest itself even further and it just keeps coming out mm-hmm. because that's how that's how hard idolatry or idol worship works it'll never stay within take a a person who who uh worships money right the person who who worships the uh the love of money, First uh, Timothy 6, where he just has to have more because either he's fearful or because he's lustful. You can, you can go either way. Mm-hmm. I can want more money because that's where I find my, my security, or I can want more money just because I enjoy the pleasure of materialism, right? Mm-hmm. That's a hard issue. Mm-hmm. Yet, 
that never stays just in the heart. I just sit and think about stuff all day. What do I do? I become a thief. I become a uh, an abuser of people. I steal from them. Why? So I can get more stuff. Or you get it. Or you get it the the the, the honest way, and you are completely uh, a workaholic, abandoning your a responsibility. Yes, yeah. a workaholic. So that's yeah. that's where I'm scared, and I've got to have more money for secure. So now I abandon all other responsibilities mm-hmm. to get you know it's sin on both sides of the horse. However mm-hmm. you want to fall off, right? Mm-hmm. But again, the point is those are manifested in how I live. Does that, does that make sense? That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So so one of the things, uh, all idols demand to be worshipped, and here's the issue. So we're created to worship, so this this is, this is becomes natural to us because our we're created to worship and then our hearts are fallen. But here's the issue. All misguided, all false worship affects, infects, affects, defiles the thinking, speaking, and living of every idol worshiper, meaning every false worship, Every false worship, every idol worship we do damages and distorts man so that, and this is this to me is so critical in understanding this, that whenever I'm, I'm misplaced in my worship, which begins in the heart, so mm-hmm. whenever my worship turns from God to me mm-hmm. or to anything else, it will always, every time, guaranteed, it will always lead to a messed up life. Mm-hmm. Every time. Because it never stays in the heart. Once I go down that road, just just as it is, so flip it. Every time my worship is directed in the right place, it will always lead to a beautiful, glorious, faithful life. Mm-hmm. Right? You cannot worship God and it not come out. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's it begins in the heart. Mm-hmm. So whenever your heart is right with God and you're worshiping Him, it comes out. You can't stop. It, mm-hmm. right you're you're giving you're loving you're forgiving you're evangelizing you're doing all that you should do just naturally it just comes out why because you're worshiping you're just not going to sit and be quiet you're going to worship so it is when your worship is misplaced and it's in idolatry it comes out so i i wrote uh, misplaced worship always leads to a messed up living yeah i caught that always and that's the key, right? So if my life, if my living is messed up, mm-hmm. you can do it backwards and just guarantee you're going to trace it back to misplaced worship. You're worshiping self at some form or something else, which is ultimately going to be self. So mm-hmm. that's that's hard idolatry, and that's what you see with Herodias, along with myriads of other people in the Bible, including including you and I as sinners, as idolaters to the core, and which if, we all are. And if you back up a little bit with the the desires of self is mm-hmm. what you're saying and mm-hmm. like uh if you are you know you, you're taking the opposite you know the one and then you're making the opposite so the desire of self versus the desires of of god mm-hmm. so you know searching and, and and studying scripture and desiring the things that are from scripture will always lead to your worship which and that it basically is a heart change because you're, you're allowing your script the scripture to change your heart yeah Instead well of sin changing your heart Is yeah that what you're saying well yeah i would say it even more foundational than that worship worship is found it's foundational to everything so mm-hmm. we worship one way or the other mm-hmm. we're never not worshiping okay so worship is is the very core of our dna mm-hmm. we are born worshipers we were because we were created by god to be worshipers that's that is that is the foundational essence not not physical, not physicality, but the foundational essence of who we are as human beings. We are worshipers. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't care where you go on the planet, everyone worships. Mm-hmm. Everyone. It's not a it's not a question of do they worship. 
everyone worships. It's just who do they worship? What do they worship? Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? Why is why does it cross everything? Because that's who we are as human beings. God created us to worship Him, and Romans chapter one is so clear. Created us to worship Him, and man knows that. And the ultimate omnipotent power of the great Creator, who is to be worshipped, is so clearly revealed through nature. And what does man do? Rejects. He rejects it. He pushes it down, mm-hmm. but he doesn't just push it down. What does he do? He re- he replaces the worship of the Creator with the worship of the created cre- creature. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Which himself ultimately. Mm-hmm. Of course, this goes all the way back to to. Um, Satan, as I said, who was you know, created, and he wanted everybody to worship him. But then it comes even more deformed when you look at Adam and Eve, and that's what Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, she saw that the fruit was good, she saw that it was good for making wise, she saw that it was good for making her you know, like God in that way, and that's what she wanted, right? She was dissatisfied with, with because of being um, deceived by Satan and his deception was God is holding back on you. He hasn't given you enough. He hasn't given you. And she fell into the trap and said, yeah, no, I want more. I want more. Meaning it's about me. It's not about him. Mm-hmm. Whether God held back or not, it doesn't matter because it's about him. He gave you what he thought he ne- you needed and he gave you all that you needed. Mm-hmm. Trust him because it's about him. Right. It's not about you. But she made it about her mm-hmm. self-worship and everything. And of course, Adam even did worse, and hence we are, as Romans three said, we're all Id- idolaters, mm-hmm. as Romans one shows. So, so it's basically the difference between worshiping ourselves and worshiping God. Yep. And with us worshiping ourselves, that brings us to uh, one of the topics that you talked about a lot was lust. Yeah. And that lusting, and it it all kind of, it, it, it not kind of, it all just kind of is in, in the same glass. Yeah. Everything is in the same glass. Because as you think about it, it's like, well, well, what is that lust? It's that wanting. And what is the wanting? Well, wanting, you want uh, you know, your your stuff and that covetousness comes in and, you know, it all yeah. comes and it's all one So think thing. about it, absolutely. So think about it this way, right? So um, who I worship determines how I live, mm-hmm. not the other way around. Right. A minute ago, you were you were using that, and it goes both ways, so they're inseparably linked, and it's a it's a cyclical it's a cyclical um, analogy or or really truth. So who I worship then determines ultimately how I live. Mm-hmm. So if I worship self, then I'm ulti- ultimately going to be filled with all those things you're talking about: mm-hmm. greed, lust, anger, pride, mm-hmm. all of those things, because I'm gonna I'm gonna need to be to somehow try to attain the satisfaction that self wants because I'm never going to get it because mm-hmm. self is totally insufficient, right? Well, so well, it drives it's it's it drives this cyclical discontented reality because I'm in a never-ending journey. But if I'm worshiping God, right? The the God of all the earth, the creator, my creator who knows everything, can do everything and who's good in all he does. Well, then he is the center and the definition of pleasure Mm -hmm. and joy and peace. Well, if I'm worshiping him, then that's going to drive and change the way I live. And so my 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 living is going to be lined up with who he is because that's who I'm worshiping. And so everything I do is going to be driven by that versus Mm -hmm. the other. And so really worship is is is, yes, a fruit of what we do. Because it isn't, it is a, it is a verb. It is an action word, right? Mm-hmm. Yet at, at the same time, it's a root. 
it's a root for what we do because God has created us. That's what Genesis 2.15, Adam was created and put in the garden to serve and protect, i.e. he was there to worship God in all that he did. Worship is a way of life, not just an action in life. Worship is the ultimate point of life, Mm -hmm. and that's why it's all-encompassing, and that's where heart idolatry seeks to overshadow all of that and make make from the sinful side, it's all-encompassing, and it changes everything. So it's really, really scary. And um, and so so when we look at the sinful fruit, all of the idolatry or all of the anger, bitterness, wrath, clamor, everything, whatever, whatever list of sin, when you look at that, then you realize those are the fruits of the act of misplaced worship, the act of heart idolatry. That's what happens when I worship self. Mm-hmm. That's where I end up. And of course, we're born worshiping self because we're born with an idolatrous heart because we're sinners, right? So it goes back to our sin nature, but this is, this is the core. This is at the, at the, um, biggest problem we have it's in our heart and um, this is what we naturally do is worship self and and herodias shows that like Mm -hmm. she kills john which is the which is what the the passage depicts but she does it because she's out for herself Mm. she's out to please herself she's out to protect herself she's out to worship self that's the whole point. But you know, it's funny as I was uh kind of meditating on these things after the sermon uh on the way to uh kind of do this podcast. Um one thing that I thought of is one I thought of two trees. Yeah. So the one tree with you know, you it's just imagine if you will uh the fruit of the spirit on that tree. Love, joy, peace, patience, all those are the fruit that are on that tree. The trunk would be faithfulness. Yep. And then the roots are what we talk about in yep. men's Bible study. Yep. Which we'll get to later on this podcast. <laughs> but uh the other tree that I thought of was the fruits being the lust and, you know, yep. all those, you know, uh you know, people call them the seven deadly sins or Galatians five, I think verse twenty, yeah. right before the fruits of the spirit. All of that would be the fruit. Yep. And the roots would actually be you know, the, the trunk is, is selfishness, I, selfishness. Yep. And then the, the roots would be idolatry, it. covetousness, it. all those things. Now, as I think about it, you literally go either you go one way, you go the other way. That's it. So if you're serving self, you are you, you're going to want more or lust more and lust more and lust more and lust more. And I think you brought this out in the sermon. So yep. you it never ends yeah, in, in a way you get what you set out to get yep. you know you'll get that whatever that is but then you'll want more exactly and then you want more it's like a drug and addict yes yeah, it's, it's a drug addict so it's like you go from one drug to because you need something stronger you go yep. to this drug and stuff like that it's james 1 14 and 15 yeah totally because mm-hmm. it dragged just, away and enticed it will not stop until you die because mm-hmm. that's the point of heart idolatry that is so that is so foolish and yet so clear mm-hmm. that heart idolatry it, it will kill itself in its pursuit for satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But the other way leads to death as well. Yeah, death of self. Death of self, That's though. It. Yeah. And, and and it brings more and more satisfaction. 
Yeah, because here's the thing. Like, I definitely needed some stronger drugs. That's why I came to this church. Because yeah. <laughs> it was, I was getting a lot of milk. You know, yeah. I, I wanted, I wanted that strong, solid. Uh, uh, well, we don't I, call them drug. We call it nourishment. Nourishment. Okay, yeah. nourishment. Well, we call it meat and meat. What do you call it? meat and taters? What the, do you call it? Uh, uh, T-bones and taters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the drug meaning like the drug meaning like a uh like you get you know uh, uh supplements at a drugstore yeah you know so the stuff that will supplement and not just supplement but but nourish and yeah. and bring you health. back to better health sound doctrine yeah and that's what i mean by the drug yeah. so but it's that sound doctrine that makes you want more and more and more and uh the deeper truths of of the bible yeah but listen but even with that which Amen. And the Bible's clear on that, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we should long for. We should long for the meat of the word. Mm-hmm. We should be off milk. Hebrews is clear. Peter is clear. However, what is it within that? What is it within that that drives the person for more, right? Well, it could be an idolatrous, uh, false religion of self-righteousness because he just wants to be smarter. He wants to toot his own horn. He, clearly that happens. That's what Phariseeism is. However, in a true believer, what what drives that it's a gift of god's sovereign grace as the word of god is opened and as the doctrine the doctrinal depth of the person is is maturing all that's happening is christ is becoming more and more glorious Hmm. so so what is happening then then the worship of that person is becoming more and more what it should be. Mm-hmm. That's what's driving all of that hunger and thirst for more is worship mm-hmm. because Christ is now being elevated through sound doctrine because it's what it's about. God is being exalted as the as the person that he is, and the believer is growing, First Peter, in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, and he can't get enough of that, mm-hmm. right? He wants more of that. That's Philippians 3. I want more, mm-hmm. meaning I want to worship God more because now his worship is being elevated away from himself and to God, and that is the most joy-filled, peace-driven, exciting, satisfying experience, and I use that word specifically, in life, mm-hmm. is to worship God, and mm-hmm. you never it never stops, and it just keeps growing. Mm-hmm. And so what does that? It's interesting. It's that cycle all over again. It's mm-hmm. God demonstrating himself to be God, and right. you grow in it. Mm-hmm. And so it's not even... It's not even a method. It's not a technique. It's not three steps to, you know, grow your satisfaction or improve your desire or whatever. It's God himself does that mm-hmm. when he is lifted. That's why Jesus said, what, if I, if you, if I am exalted, I will what? Draw all men to myself. Mm-hmm. It's just as Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, right? God says, let there be light and lets us see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We never stop seeing that. And therefore we grow in that same degree of glory from one degree to another. Second Corinthians 3.18. That's, that's, that's at the heart of true worship. That's mm-hmm. all true worship is. It's a reverberation from heaven to earth and back to heaven. It just keeps bouncing like a ping pong. Mm-hmm. God declares and delivers his glory through creation, through his word. We see it, we we uh, grow in it, and then we give it back to him in holy living, in songs we sing, podcasts mm-hmm. we give, mm-hmm. and then God just gives more. He's already given it in his word, but our eyes are open to it. And then mm-hmm. we just keep, that's it. Yeah, That's the joy-filled uh, God worshiping, mm-hmm. God-centered life versus the other way where it's directed towards me or some other object. So. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the issue. 
Yeah, we we that was a rabbit trail that we just went off of, but rabbit trails are always good because it gives <laughs> that gave us a very positive. Because uh, I I realized that the last podcast that we did was was kind of I would say dark in, in yeah. a way because it, we're talking about something that well, is, it's easy is to really, be dark when you're just talking about sin. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, well, one of the things that's helpful with heart idolatry is is and it, and again, I this is the dark side, but you can't overstate it. Mm-hmm. Because when it, when and I know as a pastor and as a discipler and just as a person, whenever I hear idolatry or I speak of idolatry, we always think of the pagan person in a faraway land, not myself. Mm-hmm. Like I think idolatry, we think graven images, we think mm-hmm. carving, we carved images, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think my heart. I don't think. I don't think. At least I. I don't. I do now because I've trained myself and taught myself, but I naturally know my heart. I don't normally see myself as an idolater mm-hmm. or even that idolatry would even be a potential. Like that doesn't come naturally to me, but I can quickly <laughs> go to the places I've been in Africa and other mm-hmm. places and go, oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen images. Or even when I lived in California and would go in and out of different homes and I would see shrines right wow. actual shrines in homes yeah. to different gods like yeah i i can mentally see that and understand it like that to me is the idolater but that I, I forget no it's me i just worship in a different way and a different object ultimately myself as they do but i don't i don't have the shrine and i don't have the graven image but it's me i'm the shrine yeah that's where i think it's so vital and that's where i quoted that quote from um uh john calvin which was helpful and there's a number from him which he was helpful, but the one I quoted was, every one of us is, even from his mother's womb, a master craftsman of idols. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. And mm-hmm. that's his point, right? And Romans 3 is clear. Ezekiel uh, 14 is clear. First Corinthians 10 is clear. Colossians 3, Ephesians 4. I mean, it just, the scriptures are replete. If this wasn't an issue for the believer and, and for all of us, then why would Scripture constantly command us to forsake idols? First yeah. John 5, the ends that glorious book uh, written to believers to help them know who the true believer is. And what does he say? The last command, keep yourselves from idols. Mm-hmm. And First Corinthians 10 was written, and you said that, and I wrote that down. It was written to Christians. So yes. it wasn't written to like a no. secular Whomever. And it he's using the idolatry of Israel, which was a major problem for them, and he's using their idolatry, and he says, what? Do not be idolaters like them, mm-hmm. right? And then he even tells the command them, flee idolatry. Mm-hmm. So it's a serious problem, heart idolatry. It is the problem, honestly. Mm-hmm. It is selfishness. I, I mean, it's, again, I think I said earlier, that is the most concise way to define heart idolatry is selfishness, though it's not as clear um, but it is all sin, all sin can be traced back to selfishness. Well, so covetousness, how would you define covetousness then? Yeah. So covetousness is, is really, um, the way I, the way I talked about it in the sermon, which I, which gets at selfishness and gets at, uh, discontentment. Covetousness is, is the manifestation of discontentment, which is interesting. I like to think covetousness as the context of heart idolatry. So when I look at my heart, my inner life, my my uh, personal uh, uh, control uh, tower, that's what my heart is. It's my heart that directs everything that I do. So just like the control tower directs the airport and tells it 
where all the planes to land. And so my heart does that with my life. Mm -hmm. It directs everything. The context of my heart, meaning the air that surrounds my heart, so to speak. My heart isn't a isn't a um, an actual object. It's who I am. But for sake of illustration, the context of my heart is covetousness, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's this uh, inordinate desire for more than what God has already delivered. It's this insatiable lust mm -hmm. or love or longing for more. A covetousness is an inordinate desire for more than what God has already given me. And therefore, I, I want more. And, and I don't deserve more. I don't need more. I want more. That's covetousness, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so so it is the heart con it is the context of heart idolatry. So heart idolatry swims in the stream of covetousness. That's 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 the blood that flows from the idolaters, flows through the idolaters' heart, that's pumped through the heart, idolaters' heart is covetousness. This is the first, this is the first um, manifestation of heart idolatry. So heart idolatry is an inner attitude, proclivity, direction of the heart, and the first way it comes out is in covetousness. Right? Can, I, can I do this? Yeah. So uh, co uh, heart idolatry is obviously from the heart. So yes. and from that flows uh, the the covetousness against discontentment. So basically, from your heart goes to your mind that says, "I don't have enough, yeah. and I need more." Is, yeah. is that a good way to? That's yeah, a good way to put it. It's going to drive your hands. It's going to drive your life mm -hmm. pursuits. It's going to drive everything. Mm -hmm. It's going to drive your speech, mm -hmm. right? And so, uh, yeah. So covetousness and, and discontentment or selfishness, they're all they're all shades of the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Covetousness is just, it's a good word because it's biblically used many times. Discontentment's never used in the Bible, which mm -hmm. is interesting. Yet it's such a paramount theme or topic that comes up in the Bible, though the word isn't used, right? But the word covetousness is used throughout. And the point of covetous, the whole reason you're covetous, meaning the whole reason you want more, is because you're discontent with what you have. Mm -hmm. So that's the interplay or the synonymous nature you can, or inseparable link or symbiotic nature, however you want to think of it. You can't have one without the other, mm -hmm. right? You, the only reason that you're covetous is because you're discontent, you're dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's why the last uh, of the Ten Commandments, right? You shall not covet your wife, your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your, your neighbor's donkey, your day. You know, it's all these things your neighbor has, you shall not covet. And the point is, don't be discontent with what you've got. Mm -hmm. You got a wife, you got a donkey, you mm -hmm. got a house. Be happy with what you got. Don't mm -hmm. covet. And so you, it, that's how it that's that's how it works. And so, uh, yeah, covetousness is um, is a is a vile sin, a wicked sin, because it ultimately, at the end of the day, covetousness is a. And this is why it's it's the first step in the essentially the biggest step because covetousness is basically saying I'm dissatisfied with God. Hmm. Basically it's saying, God, and this is where we all start. This mm -hmm. is how we head down that road. God, you've given me this. It's not enough. That's what Eve said. I mean, let's be honest. That's exactly what Eve in her, in her thought process as deceived by Satan, because this is the heart this is the way he led her down. This right. is his heart, mm -hmm. right? And it's basically, yeah, no, God, God has done that. God has done that. Yep, yep, yep. But did God really say that? And did God really do that? And, you know, he's holding back. That's his whole point. And he was like, wait a minute, he is holding back. I want more. Mm -hmm. I want more. Yeah. That's the cry of heart idolatry, and that's the first manifestation of it. I want more, 
right? And that's covetousness. I want more. I got to have more. I got to have more. And so you go looking for it, whatever more is, whatever the focus is. And um, that was that was Herodias in her situation when she's married already to Philip, but he doesn't have all that she wants. And so Herod comes in, strolls into town, seduces her. They divorce their spouses so she can have more because he offers more. And that starts her, which she was already in a wicked state already, being in the family she was want, she was in, and of course her fallen heart like mine. Um, but yet that picture of her heart idolatry is so clear in the history of the covetousness of divorcing Philip for for Herod. <laughs> that <laughs> Lucy was uh, taking notes during the uh, sermon, and she said that Pastor Matt said a lot about. Uh, Herod and that whole family but all I did was just write in my notes this family is crazy yeah it's so (laughs) true that's that's very true they are one of the craziest families in all of history Mm -hmm. it's that sordid and sick it really is I mean but yet isn't it isn't it of the grace of God to have such a disaster in the midst of the time frame of writing scripture because the illustration right Mm -hmm. and the uh, and the and the uh, helpful nature of seeing ourselves, because again, we would do no different mm-hmm. were it for the grace of God. And seeing it there, rather than that being me, is so much better, right? Yeah. Because that would be me had it not been for the grace of God. So, mm-hmm. so God, yeah, he he he's amazing. But covetousness is uh, is clearly forbidden in Scripture, and Jesus Himself warned many times. But I think Luke twelve. Protect yourself from all forms of covetousness, because mm-hmm. he he was clear and he knew, and uh, it's it's out it's out to get you, and it's in your heart. It's your heart, fleshly heart, right? Your natural heart, your sinful heart, the heart we're born with, mm-hmm. right? That's back to that Galatians five, the war, right? The mm-hmm. war against the spirit. That's my redeemed. That's my new heart. That's my redeemed life versus the reality of my unredeemed flesh. This dead body now that I have to live with that is at war against mm-hmm. the spirit and that's what i'm talking about with the that's where the covetousness comes out and sadly romans 7 i go back to that right i, I kind of like it i go back to it and that's awful mm-hmm. that's awful now you 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 said this in the sermon and you kind of just went right past it oh, sorry. so i need you sorry. to just kind of to, you know, explain this part. So the idolatry leads to covetousness, and covetousness leads to anger. Yes. Now you had two types of anger. You yes. had basically inner and outer. You know, inner yep. anger within your heart. Yep. Uh, the outer anger is hurting people, cursing people out. You know, all yep. those types of things. Yep. But I want to focus on this inner anger real quick because you said something that was, <laughs> I think, very well for me. It was very intriguing. Yeah. Um. One, two of the things that you were talking about is that hin- hidden sinful anger. Yep. Uh, within, and one of them was disgust. Yes. I heard. Yep. There were some other ones that you had, you know, said that I wasn't able to kind of write down. Frustration. Frustration. Irritation. Mm-hmm. But depression. You said depression. Depression. Yeah. yeah. Unpack that for me. Yeah. So, all right. So, it, anger in the Bible, there is clearly a holy anger. God has that. Mm-hmm. Christ demonstrated that. And, and as did many other um, faithful servants. And so, there is a righteous anger, meaning a holy, a godly anger. That's clear. The Bible's clear about that. Even Ephesians five commands believers, even husband and wife, right? Do not, do not, uh, 
you know, let your anger become sinful, mm-hmm. right? Because we can do that. So I'm not denying that that's real, though I don't know, I don't know how many times most of us have ever even had righteous anger. You know, I just, I know my own heart and I'm careful to um, provoke my own heart and wonder if it's ever been righteous anger. Yeah. Because as Paul says, I don't know if there's anything in me that ever, that ever is completely pure. Yet, you know, I think I think I can look at a number of things and say, yeah, I think it's a righteous anger that I have towards abortion and things like that, right? So it comes out, and there there is that reality, and 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 uh, that's right. Anger, ultimately, in that sense, is seeing what's wrong and wanting it to be right, and it's our response. But that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what the Bible primarily talks about. It primarily talks about sinful anger. It's a sin. It's a deep sin. It's an awful sin. It's a sin that's forbidden, a sin we're commanded to not be a part of. And yet the Bible is clear that there's basically two types. There's the slow burn, there's the quiet anger, mm-hmm. and then there's the one we all know, the violent anger, mm-hmm. right? But it's the quiet anger that generally, not always, precedes the violent anger. Mm-hmm. And it's the quiet anger that we always redefine. We won't call it anger. We call it everything else but anger, hmm. like frustration, mm-hmm. right? It's like, man, I'm frustrated. What are you frustrated about? Well, somebody and this and that. And then when you start realizing, well, man, you're just complaining. Mm-hmm. You're, just, you're just a grumbler, Yeah. right? Well, what is that? That's anger. Mm-hmm. That's anger in your heart. But you, you, for some reason, whether it's your makeup, your dene- demeanor, whatever, you haven't let it come out in violence yet, but it mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we use the sanct- we use the quote-unquote sanctified term for anger, frustration, or irritation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm irritated. Well, at the end of the day, we're irritated because we just don't like what somebody said to us or mm-hmm. somebody gave to us. And here's the, here's the, I'll get to the depression thing in a minute, but here's the, here's the interesting or the sad thing about anger in relationship to heart idolatry. So heart idolatry is who we are and what's the issue we move into covetousness or we we manifest our heart idolatry and covetousness i want more but what i what i said multiple times is all that i want will never be enough mm-hmm. right and i said this in i don't know how many different ways uh, that's the sick cycle of heart idolatry i have a i have a lust for more and yet whatever i get i'm always I'm always dissatisfied with, meaning I never get enough of what I want, and I will never be satisfied with all that I get, Mm -hmm. right? So that's where the anger comes from. Gotcha. So the anger is the absolute guaranteed response of heart idolatry to covetousness. Mm -hmm. So covetousness blows up in my heart, meaning this lust for whatever it is, I, I, I try to pursue it. I try to fulfill that. And yet everything I do, it's never enough. So what does what's that naturally going to create within me? And anger. I want more. But now it's not just a want more that's just happy about it. I'm like aggressive about it. Now I'm angry about it because that which I just had was not enough. And mm-hmm. so now I'm discontent and I'm frustrated. And so when, when it's quiet, it tends to be, uh, an anger that's frustrated because somebody didn't do what I wanted them to do. Somebody didn't say what I wanted them to say. Somebody didn't take me wherever I wanted to go, and so I'm frustrated. I'm irritated. Mm-hmm. I'm not irritated because, and this is a big one. This comes up in counseling quite a bit. I'm not irritated, okay? Let's 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 make it really practical. Parenting. You and I both are parents. Right. So I'm not 
frustrated, which really is angry, with mm-hmm. my child right now because they sinned against God. I'm frustrated because they didn't obey me. Mm. That's anger. Mm-hmm. That's all that is. That's mm. all that is. Mm-hmm. It's a subtle form of anger because I'm frustrated because my child didn't do what I wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a there's a right side to that if what I wanted them to do was what God wanted them to do, and I'm really driven by they disobeyed God, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. There can be a side to which I'm also frustrated didn't obey me. But most of the time, sadly, we're driven by anger at, towards our children because they didn't obey me. Mm-hmm. It's about me, right? And mm-hmm. so you see how it comes up. And so it comes up in all kinds of different ways. So I'm mad, I'm frustrated because I'm not getting what I want. Now, when it comes to the depression side, this is still a way in which the inner anger can manifest itself. This comes up a lot. When life doesn't treat me the way that I want, when life doesn't give me what I want, when my spouse doesn't give me what I want, when my children don't give me what I want, when my job doesn't give me what I want. I mean, how many other, when my, when when my car, when God doesn't give me what I want, mm-hmm. I, can gen, I can either be vocal and violent about it, run away from God, reject God, hate God, go back to the question that started the pot, lament in a way that's complaining to God, or I can clam up and, and become the Eeyore and just walk around, depressed mm-hmm. and, and just saying yeah I, woe is me woe is me god god just has it out for me or not even say that but just in my heart that's what i mean or just be like yeah this is i don't like this i'm sad i'm sad you know so so much not all but so much depression so much melancholiness is really anger manifesting itself in a in a quiet way because of because discontent because I'm, I don't like I hmm. don't like my life I don't like what has happened and this is how I'm going to respond well if you're still listening and you haven't turned this <laughs> off we are talking about sin and uh, kind of like the cycle that comes out of sin the the, the descending staircase if you will uh, and the very top of it is uh, heart idolatry and so yeah so let me let me illustrate that point because I'm sure many people have never connected can depression. We have, can we have five minutes, five seconds, Matt? Because we are all convicted as we hear well, this. Like I, this is, I, I get I, it. You are speaking the the truth from Scripture. And, I get that, but I, yeah, I'm this con- is a lot. It is. It is, and it's important. And I'm convicted as I wrote it and studied it and had to preach it, but because yeah. I preached to myself before everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's important to get this because this is so not taught and so not understood, and so the issue that we deal with all the time. Mm-hmm. So let me illustrate this from Scripture to, sh- to prove that I'm not making this up. I go all the way back to the beginning of Scripture, to the, to the issue when sin begins to manifest itself on earth through the first family. is with what? Adam and Eve sin, they have children, and what comes out? Murder in that first family. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? And how? Depression sullen face Hmm. down face who was it Cain he didn't get what he wanted Mm -hmm. he knew what he was doing was wrong God made it clear that what he was supposed to bring God told him he didn't bring it so it's his fault he should have repented instead what did he do he went and sulked Hmm. depressed that's why his face was sullen his face was down that's why God comes to him and says, why, why are you so downcast? What, what's going on? Mm. What's wrong? Don't you know if you do right, meaning I already told you what to do, just do right. You won't have this. 
And God says, sin is crouching at your door. Mm. It's going to devour you. Mm-hmm. Don't let, don't go down this road. What was ultimately the sin? Anger. Because mm. then it came out. It came out, yep. He killed his brother. Mm. So. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty straightforward. There's not much to, uh, uh, to say after that because it's, it's plain in scripture. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that that's the answer for all de- depression and I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm sure I said that in the sermon, but often much mm-hmm. of that is, is dealing with selfishness and, and, and therefore anger. So that is an issue that has to be addressed and comes up quite often, mm-hmm. quite often. And, um, you, you spoke about bitterness a little bit yes. after so, that. So, because the, again, think of the stair steps, think of the, the downward spiral, right? Heart idolatry is the ultimate issue. It manifests itself first, always in covetousness, want more. And then that, that doesn't happen or doesn't happen to the degree that I ultimately want. Cause mm-hmm. that's impossible. And then that leads to anger, quiet, violent, whatever. And then anger ultimately again, can't be initially relieved, mm-hmm. right? So it leads then to bitterness. Bitterness is basically anger, uh, anger under simmer, right? Where anger just continues to fester. It's mm-hmm. the slow simmer of a discontented heart where I just sit and I meditate on it and I fume over it and like the slow uh, cooking pot, right? It's like the crock pot. I'm just sitting there and slow dial and I'm just letting my anger fume and it builds this resentment. This mm-hmm. this root of bitterness, Hebrews calls it, that just feeds uh, murder. Really, it's what bitterness ultimately goes after. So uh, bitterness then takes my initial anger and says, "I want to work this out, but I need to I need to plan it." And so it's premeditated. It's it's uh, festering over this hurt. Um, anger tends to be hurt. It can be personal or it can be public, meaning I hurt you, I don't do what you want, and now for I'm angry, and now that anger because of this personal hurt turns into bitterness where I resent you because you told me the truth. So this is what we see with Herodias. She was mm. she didn't get what she wanted, meaning Herod was not enough, and then she knew that, but then then what she got, John now confronts and says, You're wrong. You you need to go back to your husband Philip. You're in an ungodly mm. marriage. That shames her. That guilts her. She doesn't like it. She's hurt. Now she's angry. Well, she wants John killed. John or Herod won't kill John because he's a scared of John on multiple levels. His conscience is driving him nuts. Mm. So he arrests him, thinking, I'll appease my wife. Mm-hmm. I'll take him off the streets. He's no longer preaching. He's no longer, you know, condemning us publicly. I throw him in jail. What? Dissatisfied. Not enough. Mm. I'm bitter. I want more. I want it completely gone. And so you see, so then eventually, what does she do? She says, I'll go around my husband. I'll come up with a plan where I can kill him. If he's not going to do it, I'll do it. And that leads us to the final step, which is, which is murder. And so uh, that, but the key to bitterness in the life of the believer, and bitterness is one of the worst root sins of all of life because it, it's a slow, it's a slow um, de- desensitizing and... Um, uh, euthanizing of the soul bitterness is mm. it just slowly takes life out of you it, i mean you see this you see this throughout uh people's lives right you see this like with family relations so um a father will will uh, sin against a son and the son will live the rest of his life in resentment for that father 
and while he's a quiet, nice man, you you start to talk to that father about his father, and immediately he blows up 50 years later. Why? Because he's got bitterness in his heart that he's never let go mm. of that hurt, and it has created in his heart a fungus that just infects him. And the issue, the way you deal with bitterness, the way you kill bitterness is forgiveness. Mm. That's the Bible's answer for it, and that's what it commands us. Even if I can't fully uh, be reconciled with the other party, because forgiveness is in many ways a two-way street, there is an atti- an attitude of forgiveness, a spirit of forgiveness that I, and I am commanded and must have. Mm-hmm. Forgive and be ready to forgive, and I have to, or else the bitterness will overtake me. And that happens. That happens a lot. Hmm. It's scary. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened with her. Of course, she didn't care about forgiveness, so that's a different corollary because she's an unbeliever. But so she, yeah, her bitterness then ultimately en- ends in her in John's murder. murder. Yeah, yeah because she, I, I think it's interesting in the text, right? When the opportune time came, the mm-hmm. opportunity came up. Then all of her, all of her planning, all of her scheming. There it was. She put the plan in motion. She knew it was coming. She planned it out, and then. It shows you the it shows you the depth of hard idolatry, what it will go through, and what it will go to, to to essentially accomplish its goal of self worship. She even involves her own daughter in the vile, wicked scheme to have John the Baptist killed, and that's her that's her linchpin, that's her plan. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it Herod is a perverted man sexually. We see that already because he steals his own brother's wife. Mm-hmm. So we know that about Herod, and even historically we, we know it. So he clearly is that. Those parties, those parties historically would have been drunken orgies, basically, mm-hmm. and she knew that. This is, this is actually, I don't think I brought this up in the sermon, but this has a very close correlation to what we see in the book of Esther with uh, Hasuerus and, and Vesti. The, the queen mm-hmm. uh, before Esther. Right. And that's what Ahasuerus wanted her to do. He wanted her to come in and basically show her off as Vasti. his trophy. Vasti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which which was uncommon, meaning this this women didn't go into those all-male parties because they were essentially drunken disasters. And so women stayed away from them because they didn't want to be the, they didn't want to be the show model, right? They didn't mm-hmm. want to be the the prostitute and all that went along with that. So that essentially that's what he's asking Vashti to do is come before me, show men how beautiful you are. You know, you're my mm-hmm. trophy. Let me show you off in a, in a sexual vile way. And she's like, I'm not having anything of it. Right. And that's why she gets kicked out. And uh, so this is similar to that. And so it would have been unthinkable to have a teenage daughter, your teenage daughter, by, mm. by even though it's by marriage, to come in and be a part of it. No one would ever do that, right? That's why they had the prostitutes and all of that, the women who were already seen as vile, and that's what they would pay them for. And so, but no, not Herodias. That's she crazy. doesn't even do it herself. She sends in her teenage daughter. Why? Because her heart idolatry. She's so fixated on pleasing herself, bringing about what she wants, that she'll even use her own daughter to bring about this wickedness, which her daughter was evidently trained in this, meaning she eagerly accepted it, showing mm-hmm. that she's following the footsteps of her wicked mother, which is even more sick. And uh, yeah, and so, yeah. And so, and again, Herod falls prey to his own, it's the cycle. He falls prey to his own sinful lusts. Mm. He's caught in his own trap. Man. And uh, that's what sin does. Because, I, I, you know, I wrote down and I was thinking during the sermon, I was writing down. I was like, wait a minute. 
if that's if Herodias is is Herod's wife, then that means that Herodias's daughter is basically her his stepdaughter. Exactly. Slash niece. Yeah. Is both. Yeah. yeah. No. So, it, yeah. And, and his wife is his niece. Oh wow! This is great niece. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah. It's it. I'm telling you, it's oh, so sordid. My goodness. Even to put a diagram of the family up and all the relations, it's so sick. You can't even understand it without spending explanations over and over. This because there were all these, yeah, and it gets even worse even with Salome and where she goes, and it's crazy. Is that the daughter? The, yeah, Salome is yeah. the daughter. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, the Bible name. never calls her that, but uh, Josephus, the historian, Jewish historian, that's he. He basically says that's who that's who danced was Salome. The the yeah, that's who. We know it was the daughter of Herodias who danced. The Bible says that, but he, uh, Josephus, says it was Salome. So that's that's how we know. That's where we that's where we claim her as the name. Mark just says it was the daughter of Herodias mm-hmm. who danced. So, mm-hmm. wow. Uh, anyway, so that was probably more than you wanted. But so that's the that's the cycle of heart idolatry as demonstrated through the life of Herodias. Um, it manifests first in covetousness. It grows. Uh, then into anger because uh, I'm never satisfied. Um, I never get all that I want, and I'm never satisfied with all I get, and therefore the anger just boils up. Anger then, of course, is never relieved no matter what I do, and so it then turns into bitterness, which is the slow simmer of anger until it ultimately boils over to murder, whether it's murder of self or the murder of somebody else to get what I want, you know, and, and... that can happen quickly. That can happen over a long period, but that always happens because that's James one. Because that's what sin wants, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what the heart idolater will ultimately do. Because he's foolish, he's enslaved, he's blind, he's dumb, meaning he's numb to truth and reason, and and uh, will even destroy our own selves and everyone around us. So to end the podcast, I'm going to actually read that James 1 passage yeah. that you've brought up a few times. It's James chapter 1, verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own evil desire, by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives uh, brings forth death. Um, I think you mentioned it a couple times because... I think it was last podcast you mentioned that people think that, you know, uh, birth, sin has to give birth. Sure. And sin doesn't give birth because it's already in our hearts. So so take what you've learned today, and I'm talking about heart idolatry, which Mm -hmm. is all sin, Mm -hmm. but that's an inner issue, right? Yeah. Yeah, heart idolatry begins in the heart, which Mm -hmm. is an inner issue. You can't really see it. Right, it's it resides in the heart. Mark seven. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him. What comes out, out because it's out of the heart that man all these things happen. And covetousness then is that first outward manifestation. Long before I covet, I've already sinned because of the heart idolatry where I've turned worship away from God to self. Mm-hmm. So in that text, he's not talking about the birth of sin. He's talking about the reality because notice what he says: the lust of one's heart. Yeah, his own evil, his own desires in verse 14. Yes, that's sin. Mm -hmm. The desire is sin. The lust Mm -hmm. is sin. I often say in the the heart is like a pilot light, a gas pilot light, never goes out, Mm -hmm. meaning the sinful heart, the flesh, my flesh, my unredeemed flesh is like a, it's like a pilot light. It's always flickering, ready to explode. All it needs is the, is the accelerant. It just needs the fuel. Mm -hmm. And so it's there. So that temptation comes along. It's the fuel. 
It's the fuel that ignites the fire, but the fire's already burning. The gas isn't the isn't the fire. It's mm-hmm. just the fuel. Wow. The, the gas, the sin is my heart, mm-hmm. and that's what James is saying. Lit. So it's going to explode. It's going to come out. Right. But the combustion or the flame is already burning. Mm-hmm. Right. It just hasn't exploded. That's the birth. Yeah. And then of course it leads, as the text says, to what? Death. 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 That's sin's ultimate goal to destroy and. We see it here. But the good thing, I think I brought it up at the end of the sermon to leave on a good note. We can do that. We is, can. We is can. as much as Herodias in her heart idolatry worships self in the pursuit to silence John. That's what it was all about. She wanted to silence the word of God who spoke, which spoke directly to her sin. That's mm-hmm. what it was all about. It was against God ultimately. That's mm-hmm. let's not be confused. She's out for John, but ultimately she hates God, as mm-hmm. as all unbelievers do, and all of us did before Christ. And so she's trying to silence God by silencing John, and yet taking off his head didn't silence him at all. Yeah, the message just kept going, mm-hmm. and that's that's the ludicrous nature of heart idolatry and sin. No matter how much it's it tries to stop the Word of God, the guilt the shame, the conviction, can't stop it. That's why it wants death, because that's really the only thing it can do is destroy self. That's the only way it'll stop. Mm. Even to the point where John, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Herod thought that John had come back from the dead yep. because of the the message that yep. was still being yep. uh, uh, that's why I said, you know, put out there. Killing John couldn't yeah. stop his, couldn't stop the message because John didn't, preach about himself he preached about christ right and that never stops mm-hmm. so that's why even in the foolishness of hard idolatry that destroys self to try to stop the message even then it won't stop because then you stand before god in judgment mm. and you hear the message forever yeah knowing you rejected it so yeah that's good so uh if you're still listening after all of that, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we are going to come back next week with uh, some more uh, things. Maybe not sin, uh, but in, re- in in reality, I mean, we're always going to talk about that sin because we want to keep it in front of you. But uh, the other thing is that uh, Christ is uh, way more powerful and he's defeated death and, and sin. And um, this is what we uh, on the Truth Talks always want to bring out as a, as a positive point to for you to understand And now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge, and yet forgive sinners, and so display mercy, by sending his own Son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal Son of God, to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. 
Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this day be reconciled to God. Thanks for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.